Hello, my name is Faina, and I've dedicated the last seven years to honing my craft and fine-tuning my strategy. Hi, I'm Louise Nonwila, and I'm a trading psychology expert. I've worked with traders for almost a decade across the globe. I am a multi-award-winning clinical hypnotherapist and life coach. I am also the founder and creator of a proven online psychology program. At Trading in a Zen, we believe that there's much more to trading than numbers and probabilities. Like an athlete, a trader should operate in their big state. Each week, you will have mind-blowing interviews as well as actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life to become a better trader. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now, let's dive right in. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Trading in the Zen. Today, our guest is Nick Penrake. Nick is multi-talented. He's a trader, an actor, a director, an author, and a copywriter. Nick also runs a successful podcast for traders called A Trader's Life. In this episode, we talk about how he overcome the emotional challenges that all traders face at some point, and how by changing his mindset, he is now a consistent trader. We also speak with him about the book that he is currently writing for Mark Shawzin, known as a pattern trader. We hope you enjoy this episode. So welcome on the show, Nick. Hey, Louise. It's nice to have you. Yeah, thank you. Hi, Nick. Hi, Faina. <laughs> so, <laughs> Nick, tell us um, a little bit about A Trader's Life, your podcast. Yeah, well, I started it very early in my own trading journey, to be honest. I was only five or six months in, so it was almost a bit cheeky, really, to sort of <laughs> give it a go because, you know, my trading knowledge obviously was quite limited. But I was motivated, firstly, by the desire to learn more and... I've done a lot of interviews anyway in my life as a copywriter and as a film producer. So I felt I could get round the gaps in my knowledge because after all, I'd be asking the questions on the whole. And as long as I could, you know, listen well and, and fire back a, a sensible question, I thought we, you know, make a good start. And the idea was just to, you know, see where that goes really, you know, like most mm. of us when we start a podcast, see where that goes. Um, I was rather surprised to see it doing so well quite early on and even getting reviewed and mentions and so on on Google. Um, yeah. And so I keep it going and one day maybe I'll make some money on it as well. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about um, your trading journey. How did it start? What made you want to start trading and sort of how it's going now? Yeah. Well, it started... I suppose the catalyst was COVID, really, as it has been for a lot of people. You know, uh, I got back from a holiday in Sicily to find my freelance work as a copywriter pretty much dried up, and that didn't improve as time went on. So, you know, you do have time on your hands, and I had taken an interest in Forex probably about two or three years before. I never got around to learning it. I was I was actually working for... Uh, Secker's group, Greg Secker's group, um, learned to trade and I was a copywriter there and I was going to start Forex there, but the, the, the gig ended and I moved on and I didn't get around to it. But uh, here I had time on my hands, but no money coming in. So that was a bit worrying, you know, because it would obviously mean dipping into savings and of course it's high risk and what have you. But I made a start and started quite well with uh, 
a couple of brokers. And then it all started to unravel, as it often does for newbies. And uh, yeah, and then I, I sort of moved around with, you know, different assets, different strategies and what have you. Um, I would sign up to courses, which in the end were hugely overpriced, not very valuable. Then I started mm -hmm. to learn that a lot of even expert traders got it wrong at least half the time. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> you know, uh, and then I sort of narrowed it down to really relying increasingly on my own judgment. And since then, I've been doing better. I would mm. say I'm probably a sort of break-even small profit level now, which is better than six months ago when it was loss after loss, you know, every month. Not mm. massive, but quite depressing, really. Uh, but as they say, it often is the pattern that, you know, you, you do lose, uh, you know, not necessarily in a week, but we're talking months, aren't we? Because a week isn't much of a measure of anything. Um, but, it, you know, you'd have a losing month and another one, another one. And then gradually you have one or two break-evens and one or two with some profit. So you start to think, mm, maybe. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you plug away. I mean, I, you know, I do find it fascinating. I love the challenge. And I've, over time, managed to get on top of my emotions much better. And, you know, I've had periods of awful crisis with it. And I think they're behind. I, I somehow managed to uh, resign myself better to setbacks. Mm, uh, I think yeah. people don't realize that we're, that you're, if you're winning 50% of the time, you're doing really well. It's just those wins have to be significant. Um, otherwise, it's, it's not going to work. And uh, I think that um, when people go in, first start trading, they have these dreams and aspirations of being right all the time. And they quickly have a lot of sobering days where you're like, uh-oh. Um, and then you'll get that one day and, you know, it, it makes it all okay. And I feel like as traders, we'll live on this emotional roller coaster. You know, some days I'm like, that's it. I'll never do this again. And then in the morning, the first thing I do, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It very much is like that, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Like I have yeah. love-hate thing. Yeah, love-hate yeah. thing kind of thing. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> so Nick, Nick, can you share some of your experience about those challenging times? It sounds like you've come a really long way and you've faced, you know, some real highs and lows. But tell us about the challenges that you did face and, and you know, how you worked through those. Yeah, I think the root cause of my heavy losses, those days of losing a lot, was down to too big a trade size and too many trades on. And the funny thing about trading is it, you know, we grow up being taught that success comes from working hard and doing mm. a lot of what we want to achieve at. Yeah. But trading, strangely, is not so much that. Yes, you have to do the work, you have to do the study and the analysis, but actually you have to participate less than you mm. would like to, really. And so part of the discipline is knowing when to stand down, as it were, and just observe and be patient. Yeah, yeah. And the other part, I think, of the, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I think it's really counterintuitive, right? Trading is super counterintuitive. Yeah, it, it really is, yeah. Mm. And mm. I think the other part is, well, it, it sort of breaks down for me to two things. One is just be content to trade smaller mm -hmm. and fewer trades. And when you do that as well, you're you're you feel more relaxed. You know, I mean, I was going to bed, you know, just not able to sleep really because I thought I would be worried about this trade and that trade. And then I'd be thinking, well, why, why am I doing this to myself? Yes, I want to 
make more money. I want to be successful mm. and so on. I, I saw an opportunity. But the stress you put yourself under because you know that those could go wrong. And so you're yeah. waking up, you know, six in the morning in a sweat, checking your trades <laughs> and they're all red or something, you know, and it's just a nightmare. And Absolutely. I mean, when I first started, I was getting so stressed and the cortisol levels were shooting up. I was losing weight and I'm pretty slim guys. I don't really want to lose any more weight. And, you know, it was, it was quite devastating for a while. And I was not in control of the situation for several months mm, at a time. Mm. Um, took a good while to. Yeah. Well, well done for that, Nick. I mean, were there times and moments where you said to yourself, I can't do this. I yeah, just can't do it. Absolutely. This. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were there were I think a few occasions where I just broke off entirely. It's almost like abandoning the accounts, uh, you know, mm. two or three times. Sometimes that worked out quite well, and I came back and I wasn't so badly hurt. And sometimes I was I was worse off. But there you go. You know, I could I couldn't I just emotionally couldn't deal with it, and mm. uh, I thought you know that, that this is just counterproductive. So. Well, this is the reason why I don't swing trade because uh, I'm a day trader. I get in and I get out and so I can sleep at night because I totally understand what you're saying. I used to, when I traded Forex, wake up in the middle of the night and like run to the computer and, and I did this like sleepwalking all night yeah, long yeah, yeah. where I was just be somewhere between my bed and the computer. And that, but I think uh, um, trading, there's so many ways of trading that, you know, some people are okay with that, just like setting and forgetting and walking away. Other people are unable to do so. So you have to, it's sort of a trial and error kind of thing, right? Like you have to find what works for you and then get better at it. Yeah. Um, and like you were saying, staying out of trading sometimes is the best thing you can do for yourself, which is counterintuitive because you kind of want to get back in there and you feel like something is happening without you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's probably good <laughs> that it's happening without yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of traders I talk to say they they become bewitched by the movement on their screen. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. they'll they'll be on a fifteen or thirty minute chart or whatever it might be, or never mind a five minute chart, and seeing opportunities left, right, and centre. And you know, even even though you've got a plan and you've decided you're only going to do numbers one and two of your plan, suddenly you find yourself going for three and four. It's mm -hmm. almost just sucks you in. It's it's got a kind of mesmerizing power because of the movement and the and the sort of beguiling shapes of the candles and what have you and you know yeah yeah it's just that is one of the problems with watching the chart all day especially when you're new to it you know as, as you're more experienced you you do see that's one you should just leave alone but when you're just starting out the first two years I think you're easily sucked in mm. what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten regarding trading Kind of what I'm saying, really, and, and especially in this bear market, that uh, you should trade small and less frequently. You know, don't have four or five trades on, even if even if they're small. You know, what if they all go wrong, um, go against you? And I, I think one of the other things is be careful of how many trades you put on that are correlated. You know, because I was just going to say that. Yeah, because you know, you, you might think, for instance, let's say in forex, you take the yen pairs. Of course, they all move slightly differently, but you might be inclined, therefore, to do, say, New Zealand yen, uh, GBP yen, mm -hmm. and Swiss yen. And then the yen weakens on all three, and now you've just multiplied your your risk by three. You know, you mm -hmm. haven't got three different trades on. You've really got one times three. 
So I think you have to be careful of things like that, you know, this sort of correlation and try to keep, because in a way that's what hedging is based on, that, you know, you you have one set of trades that is doing well when the, when you're suffering on the other lot, you know, because they're not so strongly correlated. Uh, mm. So learning those strategies is, I think, part of the journey. Yeah, fantastic. Nick, so tell us about the transition, because obviously you're in a space now where you've obviously done a lot of work on your mindset, psychology, got through that kind of, or, you know, managed that emotional roller coaster. What kind of things helped you along the way? Was it books? Was it kind of just, you know, journaling? What what, what helped you? Yeah, journaling has been useful. I, I, I wouldn't say I'd do that every day, but I do it mm. every now and then. <laughs> um, it's many time, you know, have you got time? Because I'm not a full-time trader. I have a day job and I also write books and scripts and what have you. So it's just sometimes not enough time in the day. But some of the crucial ones I, I try to get down. Uh, even if I don't actually write them down, I, I will go back to a chart and look at some of my mistakes or something I need to learn, make a mental note, and uh, that helps. Mm-hmm. I think on the whole trading just the just the exercise of doing it is <laughs> the it's the best way to learn really i I, th- yeah. I also going back to that thing i said about uh mentors and what have you i i think it's really good to learn from mentors in terms of the principles of trading and things to look for on a chart but i've become very very wary of signals of any kind e- even from experts uh-huh. I mean, I, I won't name names, but, you know, only the other day I had uh, uh, well, a, a message on Skype saying the markets are turning, they're going up, I'm taking a call on this. And, uh, well, that particular stock that he recommended went down minus 4.5% and the market flopped. Mm. So, and he's, you know, a veteran trader. So, you know, even these guys can be wrong. And and I also think one of the problems of taking these signals and, and other, other advice that's specific to a, a trading on that day is that you kind of surrender your own judgment to these other people. Mm-hmm. And so you're not really developing your own muscle. You're you're just letting, you know, you're a bit like a child. You're being led along. And mm, that's th- true. this is a problem, I think, in developing your own skills because – if that trade, and of course some of these trades will be wrong, you now have a rather confused sense of how to read things because you've got this noise in the background saying you should look at it this way and you've got your own judgment. And that, you know, when they're in conflict, you're going forward with this kind of real uncertainty under the way you operate mm. and it's undermining of your own judgment. And I think, yeah, you do need to be wary of that, I think, going forward. See, I'm always very, very weary of taking someone else's strategy and blindly following it because you have to know why they're saying what they're saying. You have to understand what's, what their decision is based on, when to exit, when to enter, because I feel like a lot of people want to skip the hard work of coming up with a strategy and they just, they, they run in here to make money. And those are the people that usually end really, really badly. Because if you don't understand something and you're just blindly following it, it's also a sense of responsibility, right? So if I make a call and I'm wrong, I am responsible for that. It's very easy to blame someone else 
for a call, you know, they made, but you blindly followed it. Yeah. And so I, I, I prefer to teach people how to fish rather than, and then just call out things that nobody understands and people start putting, you know, they even just the trade management. Okay. So they have a call that they made, but once you're in a trade, you have to manage that trade. Yeah. And if you don't understand why they said what they said, how are you going to manage it? Mm. Yeah. So I, this is the issue. Yeah. I think another problem with being with a mentor is it gives you trade ideas on a daily or weekly basis is, is that they don't have an eye assuming you're not one-to-one with them and they're looking at your account, they don't have an eye as to what other trades you've got on. They don't have an eye on your margin. Mm-hmm. Um, these things are really critical because they could advise you to take a trade which you then take too big a size and they might have a huge account which can can take a lot of drawdown, for example, and mm-hmm. you just don't. So you either blow your account or you you know, have yet another stop out or whatever it might be. But... Uh, I think that is one another problem that you will experience having a mentor, as I said, unless you're one-to-one. Yeah. Risk tolerance, right? Maybe like your stop at, at a certain amount of pips is okay for you, but for me, it would be devastating. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's like anything with trading, you know, the more we do something, the more we become confident and start to make our own judgments anyway. We know... Uh, being traders, that there is so much information out there. And it, like you said, Nick, it can really conflict our judgment and, you know, we can make the wrong decisions and kind of, you know, just misguide us. But I think, yeah, it goes back to confidence, repetition. The more we do something, we just trust trust our own judgment, don't we? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Nick, you have an impressive resume. You have so many strings to your bow. Um, and I was kind of going through what you do and your experience. So you're an actor, a director, a copywriter. You are obviously a trader and you run a very successful podcast called A Trader's Life, but you're also an author. Now, you are in the midst of co-writing a very interesting book with a trader called Mark Shawzin. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He calls himself the pattern trader, yeah. <laughs> well, I first came across one of Mark's videos on YouTube. Uh, it was a, one of his recorded webinars. And I was impressed by his analysis. But what drew me more, funnily enough, was actually his voice and the, the style of his delivery. And I found it very eloquent and, and compelling. And I thought, you know what? I'd like to get to know this guy better. And so I reached out to him. First of all, we did a podcast together. And during the course of that podcast, I learned more about his personal history. And I found it very, very uh, absorbing. You know, being a, a fiction writer and a screenwriter, I thought there's a real story here. I mean, he was accused wrongly of insider dealing. That was a big story in his life. He's had, he started um, two or three substantial businesses and they've gone, gone on to do well and then collapsed and so on. So there's a lot of drama there for me as a writer to dig into. And uh, so I suggested to him, how about we, over the course of you know, however many interviews it takes, we build your narrative through you talking to me because, uh, you know, he's not a ghost. He's not tip- he's not used to working with a ghostwriter or anything similar to that. Mm. He's not a writer himself. And uh, so we, we did that every couple of weeks. I'd do an interview with him, rather like a podcast, but we'd go over specific areas of his life, you know, the insider dealing 
debacle, if you like, you know, the how he got involved and accused by the SEC of, of being involved. And other areas of his life, you know, even down to personal and sort of health issues and and uh, created a portrait, which is uh, it's now just under 50,000. No, it's about 50,000 words, I think, as Gosh. a book. So quite a slim book, but mm. lots going on. Really interesting. I, I've kept the style very much true to his voice. So what you get is really a kind of edited version of the recordings, heavily edited, mm. because otherwise, you know, you'd have lots of ums and ers and all the rest of it. But uh, <laughs> it's, I, I, I still find it really very readable. And uh, it, it's a sort of departure, I suppose, from a typical trader book, which which is rather more prose-like and, and uh, sort of uh, perhaps even sober. It, I suppose the closest thing you'd you compare it to would be Jack Schwager's um, Market Wizards, uh, those oh, those two books. Okay. So I've it's read quite, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so quite similar to that, but but actually more personal, more because I mean Jack doesn't really go into all that much of the personal life of his traders. I mean a little bit, you know, sort of it's it's more CV sort sort of territory. You know, how did you start? What school did you go to? And that kind of thing. But with Mark, there's there's quite a lot more of the personal stuff in there. So it makes it unusual in that sense, different. And uh, yeah, I hope people get a lot out of it when we uh, publish. What does he attribute his resilience to? How does, like, how does he keep coming back, uh, being knocked down and coming back and being knocked down and coming back? Because as traders, this is literally our cycle. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah, it is really so true, isn't it? I, I think, you know, just sheer, sheer drive. I think some people have it. They, you have this kind of, you're born with it. I think some people are sort of born as fighters, and and there aren't many of them. I, I don't. I hesitate to use this word alpha. It's it's overused, but I, mm-hmm. there is, and it sort of sounds so male anyway. Because I don't see why women can't be just as ambitious. You know, uh, it's it's just some sort of grit and determination that I think is at your core. And a lot of people, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, eighty percent of people fail. Five percent mm-hmm. break even. Five percent make some money. So, you know, the odds are stacked against anyone, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and and you know, even traders who do well have talked about, you know, walking away from it for months or even years, and because they just couldn't stand the losses, and then they, but they, they loved it so much that they went back for it. Mm. Right. I think in trading, um, more than anything, I would say you have to learn how to lose which is super counterintuitive as a, for us, we want to win all the time, right? Yeah. But the ones who stay and the ones who keep going are the ones who have learned and mastered losing, not only like watching the, the, the dollar amount decrease and still come back, but also uh, psychologically being able to kind of bounce back and say, okay, this is just a day in the life of a trader. It's a cost of doing business and doing that over and over again. And I think if, and that would probably also be, you know, when people try to go get away from the stop and start messing around with their, their stops and increasing their risk and all of that, um, that comes from not wanting to lose. So yeah, what, what made me start you know, making sense of it all is when I, I taught myself how to lose and walk away and say, today wasn't it. And that's okay. 
Yeah. And it's really hard to do because as a trader, you're watching those scandals go, right? And you say, I'm going to come in and go back then. I'm going to make it back. And that is when you're going to lose everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Revenge trading. Nothing worse. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, going back to the book, I mean, yeah. is it published now? Have you got a publisher? Are you going to self-publish? Where Where are you at with this? Uh, it's it's finished all but the last chapter, and that might have been accomplished, but for the hurricane going on in Florida where Mark lives. Oh, um, right, yeah. I, I'm trying to get in touch with him. Everything's a bit upside down. I think he's all right, but uh, we want to get in one last chapter that chronicles his more recent trades that, that sort of gives the book a bit of a, an upbeat ending. Uh, mm-hmm. He did pretty well on, on shorting the indices. So it, it it wasn't as big a trade as he'd hoped, but it, it was a decent one. And I, because I do cover some of his health problems toward the end of the book, I thought, let's not end on, you know, a rather sad note. Let's, um, mm, you know, yeah. keep it upbeat. And so I wanted to get this chapter in and he, he loves the idea. So as soon as we can, we will reconvene and get that last recording done and then I will edit. And, and then I think we're pretty much ready to go. But he hasn't read all of what I've sent him yet which is uh due to the pain he's in unfortunately uh he's just you know he's trading all day and then he does these webinars teaching people and i guess he just feels by the time he's got the time to read anything he's too frazzled to do anything so yeah uh, yeah that's i mean i will have to sort of (laughs) press him and say we've got to work to some sort of deadline soon because otherwise it'll just drag on but uh of course i would say you know in the next four weeks we should be ready i've designed a cover for it uh which my son uh, very kindly uh, <laughs> designed on illustrator it looks nice it looks good and mark really likes it and it stands out so yeah we will self-publish i mean it's mm-hmm. it's very much for the trader crowd i mean we'll we will sell it through mark's list and 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 my followers yeah. and so on we didn't ever set out to make money at it i mean mark makes far more money in in a day than you you can make in a, on a book, you know. So, uh, but we thought it was a story that was important to get out there, and yeah, I enjoyed doing it. So, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, fantastic. Is there um, like a routine that either you have or Mark suggested? Like, is there a daily routine that a trader should follow to increase their uh, success rate? Uh, I don't know about a daily routine. I there are certain periods of the day I really avoid taking trades, uh, especially for me between 7.30 and, should we say, 10.30 UK time are just the worst times. You're very often taken in the wrong direction and regret it 45 minutes later. So I I tend to sit there and observe, but very rarely take a trade these days. I've I've always found those hours bad. So I I tend to place my trade if, if I've got an opportunity around about the 10.30 to 11 o'clock mark UK time. Uh, and then again, I'll look at taking a trade just after the opening bell in, in the US, 2.30 UK mm. time again. But that requires discipline, what you just mentioned. It's yeah. really, people don't realize how hard it is to sit in front of yeah. a moving chart and not act on it. Yeah. Um, what tools do you use to help you with your discipline? Because I feel like between learning how to lose and getting your discipline on point saying, well, today I'm only going to do this and actually following through, that would increase your success rate. Like, What is what do you do for your discipline? Well, I think I've learned from 
being knocked back so many times to to just keep the number of trades down to, you know, I've got an account at the moment that's quite small. It's only about 6K. And so I keep it to about two or three trades. And of course, those trades could be larger or smaller. But um, I do think number is important, partly because you feel more in control. I mean, if you've got four or five on the go, Mm. it's a lot for the brain to to work with, especially when you've got a small account. Um, So I, I tend to keep it just two or th- two or three, preferably two, on a, on at the same time. It mm-hmm. it narrows the focus and it also takes away a lot of the anxiety that inevitably comes with with bigger numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, a lot of the discipline for me is is telling yourself it's okay. I don't need to make money. It's just relax. Just it's okay. Just one. Just see how it goes. And I actually have to say those words either out loud or in my head. Mm-hmm. quite often just to remind myself no don't just just be happy with what you've got on mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. just saying that to yourself can really calm you down and enable you to just sort of be at rest with it all and yeah. it often yeah. saves you from making some awful mistakes it really does yeah yeah because yeah, yeah, i trade one thing at a time um as I, we were discussing i'm an oil trader a futures yeah. trader i don't have more than one trade at a time because i found when i was everywhere i was mismanaging i was missing opportunities i felt really scattered yeah and and it was adding to my anxiety so i get in my trade and i get out of my trade and the other thing that's helping is um taking incremental gains, right? Because people want to swing yeah. the fences and you want to make like thousands in one trade. That's usually the, does not work in your favor. So I've learned to take a base hit. We call it a base hit. You know, I, it's a certain amount of time money that I'm happy with and that's it. And then I stop trading. Do you know that once um, I have a winning trade, I close out for the day uh, because usually if I stay on, then the greed um, gets me and <laughs> yeah. then I... <laughs> I end up giving it all back and and then yeah. some. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. I think that's, that's sensible. I mean, a lot of traders will say, "Oh, you've got to learn to to uh, let the profit run." And I I see, I see the reasoning behind it, but it's a really risky strategy because you can, you know, hit a certain resistance point and then it all bounces back in your face. And not only have you lost all your profit, you've you've gone into losses. So yeah, I'm inclined to, especially it's so volatile now. Uh, I think, Very. you know, you're, you're better just being content with less and be calm and you've bagged something, you know, you've got, got a result <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> less is more. <laughs> this is uh-huh. the thing. Less <laughs> yes. is more. And it's working smarter, not harder, isn't it? Because I think a lot yeah. of traders do, do, it's like constantly in you know, 18 hours a day. It's like, it doesn't have to be like that. It, you don't have to be in front of the, the screens and the charts yeah. for that long. It is about kind of taking it back keeping things, you know, working smarter, not harder and keeping things as simple as, as possible, but effective as possible. Yeah. I'm hoping it gets easier also once the account size gets bigger, because what I've noticed is that I do a lot of my trading on a on a demo account. And I remember my daughter's trading for a bit and she she left me this demo account, which was half demolished. It had gone from 10 to 3.7 <laughs> before she gave up. So I, I, I picked it up at 3.7 and I, I did find it, even a demo account, quite difficult to grow. But mm. so when it got to about seven or 8,000, it was getting easier. And then when it got to nine, I found I was making money every single week without 
really all that much stress. And I know it's a demo count, but I was applying the same discipline to that. Maybe not, mm-hmm. obviously, you can't honestly say it's quite the same because there isn't that emotional involvement. But, mm-hmm. the, but the actual sort of mental side of it, the sort of the strategy was really the same. And yet I was finding it easier because, and I'm sure it's something to do with the size of an account. And because you can let losses run longer, and as long as you are applying a sensible strategy, it's very likely that those losses will shrink and then actually move in in your Mm. favor, even if it's just to pick up a small profit. So I'm hoping that by the time I get to, (laughs) shall we say, eight or nine K, this whole process, as long as I don't get greedy and sloppy, um, (laughs) will become actually just easier over time. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Yeah, well, superb. Living home. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I say to people when they, it, it's really, um, we were talking about investment and 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 how much capital capital you would need to start an account, right? And there are people who throw in five hundred dollars, and I always tell them yeah, you're going to lose, you're yeah. going to lose that five hundred dollars because what you're able to make, it's just the understanding of yeah. margin. Yeah, there's no how, room for error. Yeah. Right. None, not at all. Yeah. And then yeah. you're going to be so stressed out. You're going to try yeah. to hit a hundred every time and it's not going to work. Yeah. You're already coming in so stressed out that there's no way that you're rationally looking exactly at a chart. And so you basically are just giving your money away. And so wait till you have a good amount of money to calmly set it, you know, into the account and don't trade with your last dollar. Yeah. And that is a problem, (laughs) you know, because people say, well, I have a little bit, oh, I lost everything. Well, that's not how you go into it because you're going to make some calls based purely on emotion. Yeah. uh, Because Mm -hmm. you're so scared. It's already scary. And you just now increase the fear factor by, you know, a mile. So uh, you show up, you sit down and you're already stressed. Nothing happened yet. (laughs) Yeah. Like the same feel, the same feeling I get when I go to the dentist, you know, I just walk in, <laughs> yeah. they yeah. haven't touched me yet, but I'm already sweating. Yeah. And so, you know, don't go to the dentist every day. That's not good. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> How long have you been trading, Faina? Um, I've been trading for uh, almost six years now. Oh, cool. And it took me probably five to become mm. somewhat profitable. Yeah. Well, it's typical, isn't it? Yeah. I have been up and down. I've lost it all. I have tried to then, you know, get funding by passing these competitions, which are very hard to do because there's like an additional stress level because, um, you know, there's a a time and, and, but it does keep you disciplined because you you will lose your, um, your competition account if you hit a drawdown. Yeah. So it teaches you to really think about what you're doing. And I cannot tell you how many times I failed. I I failed more times than I can imagine. And, and, um, that I, I thought I, uh, that I would, you know, and then, but giving up was never an option. Yeah. No matter how much I was screaming and kicking and crying, giving up was not an option. And I think that's what will separate someone who is successful in this game from people who are not because it wears you down. Yeah. It wears your psyche down. 
Yeah, it really does. It's like boxing. <laughs> it's like definitely being beaten up every time and then having to get up. <laughs> right. But what happens when you're against the ropes? Like that is what's going to determine when you're against the ropes. Do you fight back or do you just lie down? And so, mm. <laughs> and I feel like I'm yeah. constantly against the ropes. Yeah. Um, but you, but that's what I mean. You have to learn how to fight and how to lose. Yeah. And still come back. Yeah. No, it's so true. It builds resilience, doesn't it? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's probably one of the hardest things I've done. Oh, uh, sure. Psychologically, yeah, right? Yeah, as a job. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The closest I've got is to is probably directing uh, and producing a film. That is pretty stressful, but it it's a kind of more pleasurable stress by comparison yeah. than losing, you know, X number of. Yeah. Who goes to work and says today I might lose it all. Like yeah. who goes to yeah. work to do that? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Yet we do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you trade full time? I mean, do you, do you manage to support yourself off what you do now or do you have to. Just, it's just this year that I'm okay, able great. to do it. Superb. Just this year. And let me tell you, we were discussing, I am not sitting in like fur coats and driving in Maserati. No, I sure. am just paying my bills. I'm yeah. able to eat more than a cup of noodles. And, <laughs> <laughs> right. and I'm, I'm able to not um, feel devastation every time things don't go my way. I'm just getting it like, a, and Luisa's pro program really helped me. Yeah. Um, on a subconscious level, kind of to, to remove some of these blocks. And I have fine tuned my strategy over and over and I'm still doing it because the market is changing. Yeah. So you have to be fluid. Um, and if you if it's not working, doing the same thing, it doesn't make any sense, but people keep going back and I'm like, it's not working. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's take, it's taken a long time, much longer yeah. than I thought it would. Yeah. 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 Although, you know, the, a lot of the traders on my show have, have said, you know, nothing till two years in at least, uh, many with your kind of experience of, you know, four or five years with mm -hmm. still struggling, if you like, in terms of real income. But yeah, yeah. Right. it's part of the course, isn't it? I mean, consistency, right? Cause you can hit one good trade. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's not so difficult. Everyone has a good day. Yeah, a good day or even a good week. You know, I've had even a good month, and then yeah. you do one stupid thing, and everything you've done for the yeah. last month can be gone. It's, yeah, just disappears. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. What do you do then? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you lick your wounds and uh, yeah, for some, yeah, make a decision to come back or yeah, uh, give up. It's like a glutton for punishment. I keep going at it. I'm yeah. like more, more. Yeah. yeah, it's strange, isn't it? What 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 is in you to want to go back into the fray? I, I think it is a, it is very like a sort of fighting spirit because, mm -hmm. as you say, there are no other jobs where I mean, the worst that can happen usually is you get fired, but you don't actually lose any money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't take away your salary. That you you, you no. just have to find a new job. But this one, you could you know every day you can lose any money you put in and more. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. go into yeah. work and you say, today, I hope to not yeah. be in debt. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the biggest pressure, isn't it? You know? Oh, yes. yeah. The uncertainty, because nothing is certain. Mm. You go yeah. to work and you have no idea. 
if this is going to be the day where yeah. you're going to have to get another job. Yeah. Doomsday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick, we are running out of time now. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Please come back so we can talk to you more about, you know, the progress of, of your book and how the trading's going. Um, but would you like to share your contact details and, you know, where people can find you? Yes, of course. I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn just by pasting in or copying in, typing in Nicholas Penrake. Um, I'm there. Well, I think it's Nick Penrake on that on LinkedIn. You can also mm -hmm. find me on uh, Twitter, which would be a trader's life. I'm on also on YouTube and uh, and Instagram, but I'm not. I haven't been busy on those two platforms recently. But yeah, just add me on on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. When does your podcast come out? Is it weekly? Is it no? It's 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 a somewhat irregular, really, uh, mm -hmm. due to the fact I'm so busy with other things. So you, sometimes there'll be a a spate of episodes, and then there's a bit of a gap. And a lot of that can also be down to the fact that I'm maybe just finding it difficult to find the next guest. I mean, I work with my daughter, who's a singer songwriter, and does the mix for my my episodes. And like during the summer, she was on holiday a few times, so she was out of the picture, and that slowed things down but yeah i try to aim for one every 10 days or so as an average okay. um yeah you know in the past it was i was knocking them out sometimes two in a week but mm. uh mm -hmm. i that was when i didn't have any uh day job which i've got now um i'm actually yeah. a copywriter yeah. at a brokerage firm yeah. funnily enough mm -hmm. uh so yeah and the episodes are on youtube your youtube channel aren't they a trader's life yeah, they are. And I haven't updated that in, in some time owing to lack of time to do that, you know, to, to do three platforms effectively. You know, if I was making money at it and it paid some of the bills, then that would be... Uh, more an incentive. <laughs> yeah, it'd be more incentive and feasible. But yeah, at the moment, my main output is on LinkedIn and on Twitter and just occasionally okay. the other two. But yeah. Perfect. But yeah, follow me on, you know, either... Nick Penrake on LinkedIn or um, A Trader's Life on Twitter. And and yeah. feel free to reach out. If you're a trader listening to this and, and you'd like to be on my show and you've got a story to tell, yeah, don't hesitate to message me on Twitter to begin with. Yeah, yeah. And we'll share the descriptions, um, uh, the links in the description. But I was fortunate enough to be a guest on your show a couple of years ago, wasn't I, Nick? You were. Mm, that was great. Yeah, yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. But thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. We've loved having you on and we look forward to speaking to you again, Nick. Yeah, likewise. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>